Welcome to Between Two Curators, the podcast where two friends and, well, curators discuss art, life, and what or rather who inspires them. I'm Jen. And I'm Cliff. And in this episode, we speak with Jason Basmajan, who's Chief Creative Officer in Fashion. He's a designer, he's an art director, and he's a lover of all things cultural. Um, and I have to say that Jason has a, has a passion, in fact, for all things cultural. Welcome, Jason. Thanks, Welcome, guys. Jason. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Wonderful to be here to speak with you guys today. It's really fantastic. We're so pleased you could join us. Um, so we wanted to just kick things off with um, where you have a, a fantastic worldwide international reputation, and that's within within fashion and the fashion industry. Yeah. Um, you've... Uh, been uh, working for a number of, of global brands, Donna Karen, Calvin Klein, Brioni, Chiruti, and Geese and Hawks. Um, the last couple there, you were the chief creative officer. And and just wanted to um, get into how you engage each of those uh, brands, those organizations, and work on storytelling. Because in in the way that you've sort of worked with them and and brought them redeveloped maybe sometimes those brands and brought them to new publics uh, most of what you've done has to do with uh telling a really interesting story and i i, I wondered if you could just speak a bit about storytelling and, and content development in that way sure um thank you for for such a kind introduction i so i have been very fortunate and lucky to work for some pretty incredible brands. Most of the brands, I'd say the connection between a lot of them uh, are they, you know, with a very strong heritage and a very strong DNA. And so part of the challenge of a chief creative or a creative director is how you sort of balance and celebrate that DNA while bringing the brand forward and making it relevant to either to a today or to an, a future audience. Um, and I, I think the, the, the common thread between all of those brands uh, and the challenge you have as a creative director is not reinventing the brand, but continuing the storytelling in a very fresh and relevant way. And so a lot of it is going back to go forward. So in, in all of those cases, it was trying to understand sort of the core values or the, the, the core um, attributes of these brands and what they really meant. And then I think unless you have a strong foundation to build on, uh, it, it doesn't become authentic. And I think coming out of this post-pandemic, uh, certainly we're gonna return to brands and it's not a question of, price, it'll be a, a question of brands with true value or lasting values mm. that have authentic storytelling and really mean something. And whether that's a sustainable story or that's a cultural story or that's a quality story, uh, it, it's going to be about a story or maybe it's a combination of those things. So I think for me, the, 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 the first step was always trying to understand where we came from to go forward and to try to also bring in fresh and exciting elements into those brands that would be unexpected. So for example, with Geeves and Hawks when we did number redid number one Savile Row in a way that was very sort of timeless and chic. I also wanted to bring in doing some contemporary design with Fredrickson Stollard to do some pieces that would be unexpected that you'd walk into number one Savile Row in this very elegant gray store with chic clothes, but then you'd have this very sort of dynamic art piece above a chimney. So instead of a mirror, it was a piece that they installed that we did, which is like sort of broken shards of mirror. And it was a very sort of um, interesting play and juxtaposition between old and new and past and present. 
Um, and that was, that was just that's one example, but also like with Chiruti, for example, I did a film on the 50 year anniversary of, of Mr. Chiruti, where mm. no one had really interviewed this man. He was a contemporary of Giorgio Armani. He was a real pioneer. He's 80, I believe he was 88 at the time. And at that, and I was, very, I'm very inspired by contemporary dance and I had seen Wayne McGregor, uh, Tree of Codes. And I loved how it was sort of technical music, electronic music with Jamie XX from XX, you know, Olaf Larson doing this incredible sets and then a combination between Wayne McGregor and the Paris Ballet. And I just loved that, what you were talking about, that cross-pollination of different culture. And I wanted to bring that into Chiruti. So we did a film, I found the, Principal, one of the principles in that piece, and we used him as the common thread or the fil rouge in the film with the contemporary dancing. So I think it was about, and that was about movement and the body and how the clothes worked on the body. And there's a real link between fashion and I think a, a natural organic link between fashion and dance. So those are some examples on how I tried to go back to the roots of a brand, but then bring some sort of fresh energy into those particular brands that you mentioned. Yeah, and I think it's incredible how, well, you really pinpoint this idea of a story and link to that story, the idea of authenticity. And you touched briefly on what, how you did that, you know, and thinking about dance and the example of Cheruti, but also looking forward, you're saying that right now there's going to be this return to, and I mean, we can't really be, I mean, we're not, we're not fortune tellers, um, but maybe I think we could, maybe you could develop a little bit on what are the certain things that you're feeling, you as a creative director moving forward, what's, what are the urgencies that you are seeing and feeling, um, obviously having on the one hand this deep vested background in brands that have incredible histories, but always being at the avant-garde. Yeah, thank you. Um, I think, well, I, I, I think that with those brands in particular, it was always about finding the balance between the past and present and mm -hmm. being able to reach a new audience uh, in terms of, you know, a lot of a lot of the people that came to the brand said, we, we didn't even know this thing existed. And so they loved what we were doing. And then they went deeper into the storytelling. And I think that goes back to the word we used before, which is authenticity and this kind of credibility yeah. uh, speaking to that. And I think this period of being in quarantine, I think we've all realized that we can survive without a lot of stuff and yeah, we can survive. Sure. You know, we've reconnected with fundamental things that are really fundamentally important to us, which is food, shelter, family, you know, as sort of a yeah. first. And then intellectual interest and cultural interest and how we've been able to access that from our homes in a, in a lockdown situation. But I think really we've all become very aware of what we're good at and what we like. And I think we've become very that, aware yeah. of what's mm -hmm. important to us. And, um, you know, listening to a lot of podcasts and in interviews and reading a lot of articles, I love this notion that's come out of that is you know, this age of do it yourself, this age of people discovering that they're very good at things and expanding and developing those things that we're not pigeonholed maybe going forward into <clears throat> any one specific sector. And, we're at a unique time in history where all the balls are in the air for everyone at the same time. So this notion of stay in your lane, um, there are no lanes anymore yeah. because it's one mm -hmm. wide, big open space. And you're kind of, I don't want to use the word compete because that's not maybe the right idea, but you're, you're, you're not <clears throat> competing with anyone for a space because everyone's in the same place. So we're all on the starting block together, I guess, so to speak. And I think that's very scary, but it's very, very exciting. And with the uh, financial and economic fallout from this obvious, obviously the health, the, the physical fallout, which is terrible, uh, out of this, it's almost like a reset to go back to 
what's really important. So we're all discovering, uh, you know, hobbies or things that we like that kind of push our buttons. And they tend to be linked to things that are pretty basic, uh, yeah. which I find interesting. So the storytelling will be very important. And I think people will be looking for more emotional connection with whatever cultural or pursuits. There's, I think this idea of an emotional connection and an idea of quality and value in that in that instance. And value doesn't mean cost. It means what kind yeah. of value it brings to you in terms of enrichment. I think that's really beautiful. There's two points that I wanted to, 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 to I was, I just, that just came to mind. But you're talking about like the pluralism of the person. Um, right before going live, we were talking about how we both spent time in Asia, right? And one thing that I really noticed is that when you met different people who were creative in Asia, and this is like, you know, three, four years ago, they're like, oh, I'm an artist. I'm also an architect. Oh, by the way, did you also know that I am a practicant in practicant? Do you say that? <laughs> in, in like Chinese medicine. And I was like, wow, you're literally going to like Renaissance man, <laughs> you right. know, Renaissance not? woman. Yeah, why, why not? not? Why not? Yeah. Why not? I, I think that's so interesting. You know, I was working with a young, so part of what I like to do in these roles has been giving me the opportunity to work with young talent as well as established talent. So of course we worked with incredible photographers like Peter Lindbergh, but then also to go out and work with some young talent to bring that energy into the brand and also a new perspective. So we worked with a guy here called Ben Colin Williams, who's an incredible, well, I thought he was a set designer because he did the sets <laughs> for autobiography for Wayne McGregor, which I'd seen at Sadler's. And I just tracked him down. I was like, I, these sets are amazing. And I don't know who, who, who are you? And it turns out, you know, it was the same thing. I'm like, well, so you're a set designer. He's like, well, I'm a photographer and I'm a journalist and I write and I'm a set designer and I'm a director and I'm a filmmaker. And actually, yes, he's all of that. So, you know, he did some short films for us, which were combining some of those, those uh, competencies. And, it, you know, it was just really exciting to work with someone like that who doesn't really does not see themselves in any one particular sector or or um, lane and and that yeah. free flow of information and free flow of creativity and ideas i think makes a stronger project with a stronger results mm -hmm. which is which for you which for you guys coming from from a strong art background uh you've seen things change in the art world i'm sure so much where people are working cross medium cost discipline um no, it's completely it's completely opened up and and this you know just the trope became uh you know artist times designer or artist times architect and as, as it did in, in many many industries just before we all went to the lockdown and jason i think what's what's coming out from from the things you're saying about the places you've worked in um the things you're interested in in doing is this sense of connection and uh, hopefully our listeners by now have uh, a sense of really how, <laughs> how wonderful that how wonderful like of a connector that that you are and one of the things i wanted to ask you about um was was empathy and the you know understanding between people um, of a kind of generosity of spirit and and i wanted to ask specifically because you know hey the fashion industry is not particularly known for being empathetic uh, we've all seen Devil, Devil's Wear Prada. <laughs> it's all of our favorite films. Um, but I, I wonder if you could say, um, you know, something about that, because in a way, that's almost a guiding light that that takes us forward in how we make all these wonderful new connections. Sure, I think a little, a little bit is also sort of about um, how we're brought up, and I don't mean necessarily by our our guardians or our parents, but 
you know, how I was brought up professionally. Um, and I would say that for you guys too, there are a lot of parallels and similarities between art and fashion. And yeah, I think that really hit home after I read, you know, Seven Days in the Art World, the controversial book. Uh, but I finished that book going, wow, they're really parallel industries where there are incredibly talented people who's mm. no one, who no one's ever heard of. And they're incredibly mediocre people that are famous. And then there are really nice, generous people. And then there are really self-serving, awful people. And I think you're going to get that in any sort of creative industry, in any, any industry or any industry that works on, to a degree, inclusion, exclusion, judgment of talent. There's critics involved. Uh, there's press involved. There's a commercial element involved. There's a self-importance involved. And, I, and so there are, there's, there are some similarities. And with that comes incredible communication with creativity, expression, cultural mirror, lots of things that come that are very, very positive. Um, I, was, I was professionally lucky uh, that I was able to be guided and mentored and worked with people who were very professionally generous to me. And I felt that was kind of, you know, that's sort of your responsibility to give back. And, and I think empathy is something we've all learned in this period more than, than any, that we all need to be more, uh, to express more empathy, whether it's in our personal lives and relationships, uh, our professional lives, because no one has the answer. The rule books have changed. So yeah. empathy was something that I felt as a manager, because in some of these cases, you know, my job was to get something done in a business, a business context. You get a lot more by bringing people along with you on the journey. So if you have a strong vision and a clear idea and you can communicate that well, you can't do it alone, no matter how talented you are and no matter how great you think you are. Uh, unless you've got people buying into the vision and getting on the bus and going somewhere with you, you're not going anywhere or it won't be lasting. And so I felt that the, the idea was always to try to develop. And I don't know if some of that is my American background, which is also pragmatic. Uh, this sort of that yeah. comes a, a pragmatism comes out of that was that I remember one case I had somebody who worked for me and the director of communications left and the, 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 the young woman who was working underneath her said, so I will have a new boss now in France. And I said, you need a boss? She said, well, I mean, that's how it works. I said, but why are you capable to do the job? And she was fully capable to do the job. She just hadn't pushed herself. And she thought she had pigeonholed, pigeonholed herself in a way that the structure had told her until I'm this age and I've done this many years, yeah. I can't have that role. And I don't see that. I think if you're talented, I think if you do the work and you have the ability to do it, you should have the chance to do it. And so I feel like I'm just sort of passing that on um, to your question, Cliff. This is just sort of passing what's been done to me is like do onto others. I've been very lucky that I love to teach and share as well as part of it. So yeah. I think bringing people and seeing them develop personally and professionally is really exciting. And that eventually gives back to you. You know, we did a project and a small example was with Parsons Paris. Uh, they have a campus with the new school. And we had a little, uh, the director who was there, she came many times to our office and she said, Jason, I love how you're balancing sort of this idea of commercial and creative. I said, well, that's your job as a chief creative, uh, creative director. Your job is to get the best music out of every player and that the whole piece of music sounds incredible together. And if I can't balance the communication and the commercial with the creative, we're not going anywhere. We can be the most creative people in the world, but if we can't get the message out there and the product out there, there's no future. So she and I came up with this idea where we did one semester with the kids at Parsons. She was having a hard time getting the business, fashion business students to mix with the designers. So they don't even sit together in the same cafeteria. So we split them up into small little groups and we created little brands under Trudy as a kind of, um, my, my, my brief was 
do a gender fluid collection for your generation titled Chiruti or signed Chiruti. You're all going to have the same fabrics to start with. And I want to see it go from concept and mood board to how you're actually going to market and sell the clothes. And they had to do market research. They had to do pattern making, sketching, mood boards, all of it. And they learned the main thing that came out of that was they had to learn to work as a team. And exactly. you might think you're the best illustrator, but actually, you know, Jen, you might be a better illustrator than Cliff, but Cliff <laughs> might be a, a better market researcher. He might be a better designer yeah. or he might be better at marketing and communication. And so I told them, I don't want to see your back of house. You've got one chance in whatever industry. I just want to see the front of house. And ironically, we had a, we had a, a panel of, of judges, which came from press, from different parts, uh, different sectors. And, and the team that won, which even I didn't know, was the team that had the most problems in the beginning. They couldn't stand each other. Some of them almost were sent back to the States. I mean, they were a, a hot mess, apparently. And they pulled <laughs> the it drama. together. The drama. The drama. I know. We should have heard it. it was um, they would come the new reality TV show. The new reality TV show. They spend a, week in the, they spend a day a week in the studio. We gave a lot of time to them. And so they kept saying, oh, thank you. We've learned so much. We've learned more from this than any other course because it was hands-on it was a to z and i was thinking to myself oh, we learned so much me my team we learned what's pushing the buttons of your generation going forward uh interesting that 70 percent of them were vegan or vegetarian a lot of them really did not see gender i mean that wasn't a trend that was real they just didn't see gender they didn't see race it was so exciting uh to see that coming out of this generation so we learned so much as a team us working with them, I think as much, if not more, than they learned from us. Um, so that's an example of kind of this cyclical sharing and, and benefit that I thought was important. And that's followed me throughout my career. Or I've tried to bring that with me throughout my career. That's a great, great little management, <laughs> great little management 101. Uh, management 101. It's, human, it's, it's sort of like humanity 101 too, in one way, right? I think it's kind of, um, just be nice, you know, it's like, just be nice to people, share with people. Uh, I often find in my industry, and you may be see that in your industry as well, it tends to be the people who have maybe doubts or hesitations or insecurities who oh, are often the ones that are maybe the least generous or least willing to be empathetic. Yeah, I would completely agree with that. And, um, I mean, to Cliff's point, you know, one-on-one management, one-on-one humanity, it's, um, yeah, just a beautiful example of, you know, this notion of like upwards and downwards management and leveling out a, a, pay, a playing field to empower others and elevate them. Um, and I think one thing that I really, really resonated with me was this idea of, you know, lateral, lateral thinking. Okay, so you're in this industry, you're in that one, you're doing this, like come together to create something. And I think this kind of, leads to another question that Cliff and I had, which we've touched upon, you know, already, but your creative influences, you know, I'm hearing dance, I'm hearing art, where we were chatting beforehand about food, we're talking about design. I mean, I'm just picking up all these beautiful multi-sensory elements, right? This world of beauty. Um, maybe you could tell us a little bit more about your creative influences and what sure. they are, where I they mean, spark I, from. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's, it's true that it, it they do come from they do come from lots of places i think i'm really inspired by style you know whatever that mm. style is whether it's from a visual arts whether it's from performing arts uh, literature film uh, you know you think about i think about some of my the strongest influences throughout my career 
have been uh, very strong visual inspiration. They've been very style, stylized. And I think about in film, I'd say with tailoring, of course, and with fashion, Hitchcock films have been a huge oh, inspiration because mm. it's it's the actual style, not only of the of the clothes and all of that, but the the gesturing, the lighting, the mood. Those films have so much mood, and the, even the the suspense created from a simple movement of a cup uh, or a, a, you know a camera angle. Hitchcock was is a massive influence, I think, in in style um, contemporary art of of course and that's always changing so whether it's been you know video art with somebody like bill viola i remember the first time i saw those videos was an installation at the whitney museum i think i was still living in new york and it was still the whitney um the brewer that uh, now it's the met right but it was it was we were somehow invited to an, the installation the night before i don't remember why i was there but it was amazing it was the first contact i had had with video art as an art form. It was very new to me. This was 30 years ago, probably. And, you know, the, those visual, the visual imagery, the power of that, uh, it was a film, it was art. I think, you know, Bauhaus has a huge inspiration still. Um, and the Annie Albers textile show was so incredible because it was such a, it was bringing all of my inspirations into one, but then also in a medium that I could relate to. And we did a collection inspired working with the mill where we recreated some of those fabrics, jacquards, modern jacquards, okay. inspired by, by, by Annie Albers uh, textile. But I, I think those are huge. A dance has been a more recent, I'd say the last sort of, when I say recent, the last sort of five, eight years, contemporary dance and movement. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Wayne McGregor, Akram Khan. I mean, these are people, there's so many other, lesser known choreographers doing incredibly beautiful work and meaningful work because it's, you're using your body as a tool and you're using space. Uh, and I love how it also brings music, uh, set design. It creates a complete immersive experience. And I think those are for me, huge, huge inspiration and architecture as well. So, but it makes sense that these things, because they're visual and they're yeah. sensory and they're also, they should also be emotional. So that, to me does make sense. I think it's just, it's exciting. I'm excited by all of it because it's, yeah, me too. <laughs> it's, it's really, it's really fun. And also, you know, recently I'm thinking about some of the recent shows that I have seen. I think one of the last things I saw uh, was the figurative painting show, which was, I went into that very, I expected very much to be um, portraiture and it, it wasn't, it was, it was sort of a very different way for me to look at, figurative painting and some of the artists were really unexpected uh, and I really enjoyed that in terms of thinking differently about what I was actually going to see so I, I think all of the inspiration and I also never know where sometimes something just hits you unexpectedly yeah. and you're really inspired by I don't know a piece of ceramic that you see or it's the colors it's the shape it's the form I think it's also about some things inspirations that hit you about where you are in your thought process or your life you know, something that might have meant something to me 10 years ago may not inspire me as much as it does something else. Or I, I, it's, sort of, it's sort of an alignment of inspiration about what's happening around you and where you are in your creative process. I think it's also interesting um, how that can work or not work. Or not mm. work, yeah. Definitely. Um, it's really interesting that, you're, um, that you mentioned style. And, and, you know, at least in visual arts, style can be a double-edged sword because... Of course, on the one hand, you become really known for for something that you know is, is original, something that translates and to a lot of people and it becomes recognizable. And then on the other hand, 
you you could easily be pigeonholed as oh you're that you're that creative who does X or Y, uh, and and if that happens to fall out of favor in this season or next season, you might be in a bit of a bit of trouble. Um, but I think style somehow also transcends, and a lot of the work that that you've done, you kind of move between different disciplines as well. So whether it's between the, the storefront of Geese and Hawks or becoming involved in the direction production of a film uh, or like featurettes about about a brand uh, style sort of plays through all those things um, and I wonder if you could speak about how style relates to experience and what we're kind of seeing in the collision and the coming together of all these different uh, creative forms in terms of uh, a more holistic experience uh, of of everything kind of coming together and affecting all of your all of your senses and ideas and creativity at once yeah i think well you know it's funny when you look back at over all the things you've done you know sort of with me personally looking back at the collections i've created the set design the music producers i've worked with the styling the ad campaigns the films the interiors that i've done whether they've been commercial interiors for stores or store designer for homes um there is some common thread running through that, even though maybe aesthetically they are slightly different depending because in many cases with the brand, it was the brand I was putting first, not Jason, but it was Jason's sort of style or my personal style and vision infused into these brands, right? So you always, you can never help but put, you, you need to put some of your personality or a lot of your personality mm -hmm. into that. But I, I would say that if I was sort of looking at what I like, it's always been a celebration of like materials, raw materials or whatever those are, quality. Like I really, there seems to be something about like the nobility of whatever those raw materials are, whether it's um, a piece of furniture, it's a piece of fabric. There's something pure in what I like. There's a, I don't want to say minimal because I think sometimes minimal connotates a coldness or an impersonal uh, aspect, but there is something always very kind of clean and quite clear about what I, do and I think that is definitely something that's infused across all of the things I've worked on creatively. And like you mentioned, even the the film, the way we shot the film, it's very it's very beautiful, it's very poetic. But there's a there's a cleanliness and a kind of pared down elegance to a lot of what I've done. And I I guess that has to be part of the way I see things, right? You don't. Yeah. I've never really thought of it abstractly, but this kind of vision of less is more in a way uh to me sometimes you communicate more by what's not there by what you're actually putting there so even in when i look at interior design and what interests me now in terms of furniture you know it's about blending contemporary design with mid-century it's about uh maybe a more tonal color palette with an injection of with materials coming from textures i think texture has always been something i'm very very interested in whether it's visual texture or actual tactile um those are common threads I think that have run through my work and when I look back at all of this stuff it's kind of interesting to go yeah okay I get it like I get I get my I get my style vibe you know but yeah <laughs> doing, doing those, do, in the process of doing those things I actually don't think about it it just um I haven't stepped back and said okay this is you know this is what what it should look like or feel like and a lot of that is also emotional connection because I think it's very important that um things are not banal. There's a reason why you do something. Things have to connect. Uh, I was writing something for somebody the other day, and I was talking about how emotional connection 
will be more important than ever. Uh, yeah. We've gone through an incredible, we're going through an incredibly emotional time, whether it's mm. professionally, personally, mm. all of our lives and uh, emotional empathy for sure. But this idea of something that's giving us some fulfilling uh, emotional sense is so important. I think also we've, we've all looked at, and I'm still looking at what really makes us happy and what really, and that doesn't have to have a, that's an open-ended question because yeah. <laughs> what we're doing now doesn't mean it's what we want to do before or what we did we did before what we want to do in the future but i think people are being kinder with themselves about saying it's you know it's okay to rethink this it's okay to be open-minded it's okay also to pause uh, of course we all have our responsibilities which those don't get put on hold unfortunately but um you know it's a moment to kind of sort of think what do I want to spend the next three, five years doing, two years doing, two months doing? Because we realize that yeah. two months is also a long time. It drags <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah. I, Cliff, I don't know if that answered your question. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's Jason style. <laughs> <laughs> we get more. No, we get more. We love it. <laughs> um before we before before we go on to our final, final question though, I just need to I need to ask you about Kentish Town Kitchen. Um, I, I, I'm not going to let you go without this, but I, I want to hear about your passion for food um, and how you've gotten there for our listeners out there. I mean, you've got to go on um, Jason's IGTV and catch in on these because I went down a rabbit hole this morning. I am going to be starting cooking more. Like I was already obsessed with cooking. I found a fellow foodie. I Yeah, so please tell us a little bit. That's kind. Thank you for watching and your interest. And actually, that's the biggest compliment that you've actually uh, connected with it. So Kentertown Kitchen came out of, I've always been interested in food and not just food itself, but the culture around food and what food represents. And as we had mentioned earlier, you know, that's a fundamental, right now it's food, shelter, family, right? These fundamental right, totally, pillars. Yeah. And we've all rediscovered that food brings comfort. But what food also represents culturally, you know, the idea of getting around a table for a dinner is not just about the food we're eating. It's the memory. It's the emotion. It's the dialogue, the conversation, the setting. And we may remember also what we ate, but more likely we probably remembered the moment. And I thought that was a very beautiful notion that food was about sharing. And it was symbolic uh, to life. It was it's symbolic to life in the fact that it, it's, it's feeding us physically, but it's also feeding us emotionally. And so food, I think probably one of the biggest reasons I moved to France was because I was a, a big foodie. And as a kid, I grew up uh, outside of Boston and I grew up with Julia Childs, who's an American, a wonderful American woman who uh, didn't find her calling in food until she was probably about in her 40s. She was married, never had children. Her husband was in, this, um, in the State Department and they moved to Paris. He was a cultural attaché. Uh, working for the government and she wrote her memoirs were put together in a beautiful book called my life in France was edited by her nephew and her story she talks about coming off the boat in Normandy and eating her first sole Normand and the smell of the bubbling butter and the simplicity of the, the dessert were just these perfect strawberries non uh, non genetically modified I'm sure back in the times like beautiful <laughs> strawberries and the service was elegant and formal but at the same time also very uh, familiar and friendly and this beautiful piece of fish and the sensory experience and I just think of that I, I that passage all the time when she it's so beautiful the way she writes because she sort of talks about finding her calling even though she didn't know that was her calling so food food for me has been always important in terms of 
a culture being a cultural reflection of wherever I was. And so she was a big inspiration. I remember as a kid, like watching these funny TV shows, The French Chef. And then, you know, we've moved on to so many other incredible food is huge. Everyone's doing food uh, because I think everyone connects with food. I mean, who doesn't like food? I mean, there are people who just eat to live and that's, that's fine. Um, and I think the style of how I've cooked has changed greatly over the last couple of decades, but it's a way of sharing. So Kentucky Kitchen was, I'm home, I'm working on projects. It's an interest. Cooking always been, has been a creative outlet for me. It's also, I find it very relaxing. Uh, I find it very therapeutic. Yeah. So I thought, why not try to share some of this with some people and also to be a little less rigid about it. You know, I didn't want it to be prescriptive. If you don't have this spice, forget it, start over. No, it's like, you've got this or you don't have this, use this. Uh, if you don't have that, don't worry about it. If it doesn't look perfect. And I just wanted to kind of share a little bit um, as a way of connecting with people. And, and of course, out of that may become something delicious that we can eat. Yeah. And also the idea <laughs> of food styling, which I thought was really fun to explore with Tablescape and just because I'm, I'm, I'm locked down at home with my partner doesn't mean we can't set the table and, and sort of For elevate sure. the every, yeah, elevate the every day because we deserve it. And we're doing it as much for us as we are for other people. So Kentishtown Kitchen, one, because I live in Kentishtown, two, because that's my kitchen. Uh, I love <laughs> and I just, I just wanted it to also, Kentishtown's a community in a neighborhood. And I wanted that, that's, um, also the idea of co communicating that this is a friendly sort of community and a neighborhood cooking show. It's not about being a professional chef and it being, it's about sharing. Yeah. It's all of those things <laughs> for sure. And there's, there's style in there, there's empathy, there's experience, uh, the tablescape. Yeah, everything's immaculately presented. <laughs> well, you guys will have to, hopefully you'll come over for a real Kentishtown kitchen because it's also oh, fun I'm to down. together. Yeah, we're in, we're all in. Uh, Don't have to ask you really, twice. <laughs> it's really fun to share that together. And I think, again, it all circles back to um, this notion of a community around food and sharing. I think it's so important. Jason, that's all been really fantastic. Thank you so much for, for sharing the insight into all those things from fashion to food. And before we let you go, we have to ask you the question that we ask all of our guests. And that is what creative inspiration or advice uh, do you have to share with our listeners? It's all been really inspirational, but give, give us, give us, <laughs> you know, give one, us more, one takeaway. One, more. <laughs> one takeaway, be open-minded and be generous. Be open-minded and be generous, whatever that means to you. I think the more you give, the more you get. And be open-minded to everything that comes your way. I know that sounds so basic, but you know, going through life open-minded, all of these things will come to you. So for, for young people out there looking for creative advice, be open-minded, be generous, and, and stay true to yourself. I think mm -hmm. that goes back all to the authenticity. Really fantastic. Thank you so much, Jason. Thank it's you, a pleasure, Jason. guys. Thank you for having me. It was really a pleasure. Stay well. Yeah, stay it's been safe. amazing. Oh, and if our um, and our listeners want to uh, find you, find well, we know where to find the Kentishtown Kitchen. That's on Instagram. But where do we find out more information generally about about you and your? So things? my inst my Instagram is under my my name, which is public, so you can sort of see what I'm what I'm doing and what's inspiring me there. Uh, Kentishtown Kitchen is also on YouTube under my name or Kentishtown Kitchen. And hopefully we'll be posting some more. I've got a backlog in my IT department. So my editing Ooh. department has a day job. So we've <laughs> 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 sort of got a backlog of editing. So I'm, uh, we'll get some more of those up there. 
And um, I think through Instagram, you can see there's been a couple of different features. There's been recently on architecturaldigest.com, there was a recent profile a few weeks ago that talks about my work in interiors, but gives you a little bit about my background. So um, probably the best way to see more. I really appreciate your interest. I hope I was able to share with your audience a little bit about creativity in the process. And I wish everybody a happy post-pandemic. Stay healthy, safe, well, and good luck with whatever endeavors uh, come your way. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. And please join us next time for more creative chat. <laughs>